0: as a series it just started out as a message and then each week I thought I'm just going to continue on but the title is here's your sign we've been doing this for four weeks now this is our fourth week and I'm just going to get right into this I have really two quick points Um, and I feel like this is going to be a quick message but you know how that goes right anybody anybody that's your your moment for laughter right there when I say I'm going to be quick you say right go for it. <laughs> so the, I've had a, a subtitle each week to the message, here's your sign, or the series. This, the, the subtitle this week is Speak Up. That's the subtitle, Speak Up, okay? What'd you say? Speak up. I can't hear you. Speak up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know when somebody's talking, but you can't hear them? Have you ever uh, been talking to someone and they were talking and you couldn't hear what they were saying and you said, what'd you say? Speak up. And they kept the same volume. Anybody? want I'm, t- I'm like, uh, yes, yes. There's a lot of people in here that deal with that, right? And so you're like, what? I said, speak up, you know, and so I feel like. What I'm going to share with you today goes in line with what we talked about last week. You know, I had a point in last week's message that said, the point was this, get angry. How many remember that last week if you were here? Get angry. Okay, so it it, it kind of feels weird when you're hearing a message from a pastor and he tells you, get angry, right? Because many people try really hard to suppress anger. They, they, they want to suppress anger. Jesus didn't tell us to suppress anger. He said, in your anger, do not sin. Right, do not sin. So he didn't tell us not to get angry. He told us, in your anger, do not sin. And, 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 and just the phrase, in your anger, you know, um, tells us that you're going to get angry. Right? Does anybody get angry in this place? Okay, besides me. <laughs> Some are like, whoo, yes, hello. Okay, so what if I told you it's okay to get angry? Just don't sin. Does that change things for you? Yes, it does. There's a difference. See, if, if you're going, what the enemy would want us to do, what he would want us to do is to suppress our anger, to not have, have anger, just to, to suppress it. As Christians, just... Just don't be angry. Just don't get angry. Suppress that. You can't be angry. Just, just, just stay down here. Just stay right there. You know why? Because he knows that there's a holy anger. There's a righteous anger that we need to have. It needs to be present in our everyday lives. Shake your head at me like this. That's true. That's the word of God. Yes. You need to have that. It's good. Jesus, last week, I told you that when he... Uh, When he was standing there listening or sitting, whatever he was doing, whatever position he was in, when, when Mary came to him, Martha had already come to him, and Mary came to him and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would be alive. Martha had already said the very same thing to him earlier, Mary now saying it to him. He realizes that this is the the, the talk of the camp. This is what's been happening while he wasn't there, is that they were all talking about if Jesus had just been here, then Lazarus would be alive. But Jesus, this anger rose up with him. The Bible says he got angry. And I looked it up. I looked up the Greek definition of this word, and you know what it meant? Angry. Angry. He got angry because the the lack of faith. He got angry because their their faith only went to the point of if he had been here, things would be okay. But what we need to understand is, oh boy, this is good. We need to understand that Jesus is always here. He's always here. He's always here. Right? And so he was angry Because they didn't understand that. He was angry because there was limits to their faith. He doesn't want us to put limits on our faith. And we all do it. We all put limits. God can work this much, this much, this much, this much, this much. We all put limits. And God says, no, take the limits off. Understand that my power is limitless. And so this anger rose up in him. So today, I want to show you how we take the limits off. Okay? You ready? Okay, go to 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. It says this. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared. Everybody say declared. declared. Say it again, declared. declared. It says, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. First of all, you do know that you're in a fight, right? You do know that, right? You are in a fight. Second Corinthians 10:3 says this. It says, We are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. We are human, but we don't wage war. This scripture is telling us, it's not about us being human. This scripture is telling us that we're in a war. Okay? Yes, we're human, but we don't wage war like humans do. We are in a war. We are in a fight. Look at somebody, point at them, say, you're in a fight. You're in a fight. You need to know you're in a fight. It may, listen, listen, it may not look like you're in a fight right now. It may not feel like you're in a fight, but you're in a fight. Okay? There is a a strategy in fighting that is a, a strategy used by an opponent to lull the other fighter to sleep or to make them let their guard down. Uh, a famous boxer used it his name is Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay how many of you know I'm talking about he used the strategy it was called the rope-a-dope anybody know about that all right what did he do he he sat back on the ropes and he just bobbed and weaved and act like you know like he couldn't do anything oh he just sat there like he couldn't do anything and he would lull his opponents to, to sleep, basically, get them to get lazy with their technique, and then he would come out and destroy them. How many you know what I'm talking about? Anybody see some of those fights? See some of that strategy? That's what the enemy does to the church. The enemy does the old rope-a-dope. He'll get back on those ropes. He'll act like he can't fight. In fact, you'll think you've whipped him, and you'll let your guard down and walk away. There, there are times in our lives when it seems like everything's just going so good, and we're on top of the mountain, and that's great, and that's good, and we need to, you know, whether through loss or victory, rise, let our soul rise to sing and give glory to God. But we need to understand that just because it looks on the surface like we're not in a fight, we're still in a fight. We're still in a fight so we not need to understand that we need to understand that we're in a war and that we must fight ignoring this war or this fight won't make it go away the enemy is not just going to go away he's not just going to just because you whipped him once doesn't mean that he's gonna tuck his tail between his legs and run and leave you alone forever he's not done And I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you to understand you're in a fight. And as long as you understand that and know, we will be victorious. we Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Right? We know this scripture. That means that we have the authority and the power over all the power of the enemy. He cannot hold a candle to the authority and power of God. And that power flows through us but we can't let our guard down. We can't just walk around like, "Oh, I whipped him. I sent him off with his tail between his legs. He's whipped real good." And then go, Whew, "That it's over." It's not over. It will never be over until the day you stand face to face with Jesus. Amen. And then you can go oh. right? You can rest then. But until then, we cannot let our guard down. So I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Many people don't know how to effectively fight. They just don't know how to fight. They they know that they have power. I don't think there's a doubt that any of you in this place who are born again believers, I don't think there's a doubt that you know you have power. I think you know you have power. I think you understand that that power comes from the Lord God most high, that it is in you, He is in you. The power is in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. So you know you have power. Most people know that. Most Christians know that. The thing is that they don't understand how to effectively fight. So they either ignore the war or they're constantly getting beat up by the enemy and feeling defeated. So I'm going to give you two points of how to fight. Here is how you take the limits off your faith. This is how you fight. Point number one, you've got to capture thoughts. This is it. This is step one. You have to capture thoughts. I've said this to you. You know it. There's so many well-written books out there. Joyce Myers is one of the best. She's written a couple books. Where is the battle? In your mind. The battle is in your mind. That's where the battle begins, and that's where you can end it. Okay? You can end it there. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6 says this. We destroy arguments, watch this, it's gonna be up on the screen. We destroy, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. I put this, this in there, lofty opinion actually means citadels of argumentations or fortresses of reasonings. Okay, I looked it up, lofty opinion actually means citadels of argumentations or fortresses of reasonings. Now this is important. So this scripture says, we destroy arguments and lofty opinion Citadels of argumentation or fortresses of reasoning raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to obey Christ. We we do this. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, let's just stop right there. Let's stop right there. And let me say this to you. Satan is arrogant and defiant. He is arrogant and defiant, so it stands to reason that the sin in people will show up in symptoms of arrogance and defiance, right? That's how it shows up. That's why it's so important to see the real war. It's not against that person, okay? The enemy works through people. And so you need to understand where the real war is. Again, we're humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We don't wage war against other human beings. We wage war against the citadels of argumentations and the fortresses of reasoning. That's where we wage war. It, the, the fortresses of reasonings in our minds they're erected in our minds to, to deceive us to believe the lies of the enemy over the truth of God's word. This is how the enemy operates. He operates in our minds to deceive us, to believe him, his fortresses of reasonings. Now, he doesn't come to us as the devil. He doesn't come to us as, the, 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 as, as Satan, as, the, as evil and darkness. He comes to us with this reasoning... That sounds enlightened, it sounds good, it sounds right. In fact, he will even take the word of God and use a little bit of it and twist it with a bunch of lies and make it sound good. And he'll come to us in our minds and he'll have these, these reasonings that sound enlightened. They sound right. And if we don't know the word of God, we can be easily deceived that, oh, this sounds right. Right? So what he wants us to do is take the bait. And if we take the bait, then the next thing he does is he starts to build upon that fortress of reasoning. He, he just has to get a foot in the door. And once he gets a foot in the door with these lies, with these reasonings and we believe it, then he starts to build upon that. How do you think that, that people who were once followers of Jesus Christ, I know some men personally, I know some men that were pastors, and they followed him and they preached his word, but somewhere along the line, they allowed this, this reasoning to come in from the enemy and started believing it, and the enemy built this fortress of reasoning in their life, and now they don't even believe in God. He doesn't just come and in one fell swoop you know deceive them and they don't believe in God now they don't go from preaching his word to not believing in God there's this progress that takes place this progression that takes place and they get to that place and that's how the enemy operates so we need to understand that that's where the battlefield is and we need to understand that we have to take captive these thoughts again let me go back to the scripture put it up there number verse 5 again we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion every citadel of argumentation every fortress of reasoning we destroy them that everyone that's raised against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to obey of Christ okay look at the rest of the scripture verse 6 being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete see the problem is we see thoughts as these nagging little pests that are flying around our heads we th- see these thoughts that they're, they're just like a, 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 a nagging pest and, and we just shoo them away. We're just like, oh, just get away from here. But these thoughts from the enemy are not some little pest. They mean real harm. These thoughts come to destroy us. They're not a little pest. You can't just swat at them like, like they're, they're going to go away from you. They're coming to destroy you. So you have to grab these thoughts. You have to grab them by the neck, and you have to sit them down, and you have to interrogate them, and you have to make them bow to the anointed one, Jesus. That's what you have to do. You can't just swat at them. You can't just act like they're going to go away. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. These thoughts from the enemy are to distract us from forever. These thoughts from the enemy are to distract us from seeing the things that will last forever. He wants us to focus on the here and the now. He, see, this is why the enemy de- deceives us so many times in troubles and trials. He comes in those difficult situations to deceive us, to get our eyes focused on what's happening around us, the temporary things. The things that will soon be gone. Anybody have any trial in their life right now? Raise your hand. Any trial, any trouble right now? Okay. Hands all over the building. So right now, in those trials and those troubles, what he wants you to see is he wants you to see the temporary things. If he can get you to focus on the temporary, then he's distracted your focus from the eternal. Come on, y'all. Are you hearing me this morning? If he can get you to see the temporary things, then your eyes are looking here when the Lord wants your eyes to be looking here. The Lord wants us to stay focused on heavenly things. Fix your gaze on the things of heaven. Keep your eyes on heavenly things where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our intercessor is seated at the right hand of the Father. When Stephen was being stoned to death, think about this. He was being stoned to death. They were were hitting him with these rocks in the head and the body, and he's being stoned to death. And this is what the Bible says. They said Stephen looked up, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that Jesus was standing, I've said this to you before, this is what I see when I see that. I believe Jesus was standing there, let's go Stephen, let's go, you're doing it for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Stephen wasn't looking at the stones that were hitting him, he wasn't looking at the people that were throwing him, he wasn't cursing them, he wasn't mad at them, his eyes were fixed on heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And think about this, just moments after that, he was standing face to face with Jesus. This is why men, I'll tell you this men, it's good, just the men, I'm going to talk to the men for a minute. Men, it's good when you turn away from that picture of that woman, but that's not enough just to turn away. It's not enough. Turning away from the picture is good, but that's like just swatting at the nagging pest, at the nagging thoughts. Have you ever had a fly just bug the mess out of you? Anybody, you know, it's like that time of the year where the flies, they know their season's ended. And they get worse at the end of the season. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We got a few around here. We've got pastures on both sides, cows and hay, all right? We got flies in this building. In fact, I just told Matt this morning, it's time to fog again. It's time to kill all these flies. They know that their season is, is getting near, and I believe this happens with the enemy. He knows, oh, listen to this. He knows when you understand the truth and you know the truth. He knows when you're this close to getting it. He's terrified that you're going to get a hold of this truth that I'm teaching you today. He's terrified. If you get a hold of this truth and you understand it, he's terrified because he knows that you will squash him like the bug that he is. So at the end of this, you know, this flies, man, you ever have them just bug you and they're landing on you, you know, and you swat them like this? And that fly, what what happens? Paul, you swat that fly, what happens? It comes right back. And, And I think right back to the same spot it was just a moment ago, just to mess with you. And you swat it again, and it goes... And you'll swat, and you'll swat, and you'll swat. And that fly will keep doing it. Just like, have you ever seen a horse or an animal that has flies all over its back? Like a horse, and that tail just keeps doing this. And those flies, they go... whoop, 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 whoop," Right? They're like, they know what's coming. They know that... Listen, they know that we don't mean business. But when you get up and go get a fly swatter, come on, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. You ever done that? You go get a fly swatter and you can't find that fly? That fly's gone. He's hiding over the corner going, oh, he means business now. Except for today when you get one of those cheap, flimsy... Crappy fly swatters that they make today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They don't make fly swatters like they used to. I'm telling you. We bought a couple. Tammy isn't it right. We bought a couple here at the because we got flies everywhere. We bought some. I'm like, where did we get these? I'm going to say it again. Crappy fly swatters. Because they are bad. Like, give me the real thing. I want steel. I want some plastic cheap thing. You go to swat it and that thing goes... It's like giving the fly a warning. Here I come. Fly goes, well, when's that going to get here? Back in the day, man, they made those fly swatters like. Shh, and then, I, I know I'm getting off track, but it's funny. Did you ever see those bug assaults, guns? I bought me one of those. Those things are awesome. <laughs> 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 that fly goes. Shh, like a million pieces, they're great, but the problem is you get salt everywhere and bug guts everywhere too. They're amazing. If you don't care about what everything looks like, bug assault. Well, the enemy is the same way. The enemy will come with those thoughts over and over and over, and if you're just doing this, he knows that you're not serious. He knows that you don't mean business. He, I hope this is heading home like it is with me today. He knows that you're just like, "Ah, stupid thoughts. You don't really take them seriously. You don't understand the harm they can do. You don't understand that it's not just some little thought that's trying to land in your mind, this little tiny, insignificant little thought, once it lands, will t- attract another, and another, and another, and another, and the enemy is building a fortress of reasoning. And before you know it, he has a citadel of argumentation. Do you know the difference? Listen, a fortress of reasoning, he, he builds, you start to go, oh, then that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, this is harmless. Oh, this is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. And then before you know it, you have a citadel of argumentation. In other words, you'll start to argue that your sin is okay. Oh, come on, y'all. You'll start to argue that it's okay. Have you ever talked to somebody that justified their sin? Minimized it and act like it was no big deal? And before you know it, they're a raging alcoholic. And their family's been destroyed. Their marriage has been destroyed. They've put an imprint on their children that unless something breaks, unless they break it by the power of Almighty God, it will last generations. All because they let these reasonings come in and didn't do business with them, didn't mean business. So now, instead of just swatting at these thoughts, you need to get serious. See, God gave us something, (laughs) and it's not some crappy fly swatter. He gave us a sword, amen? So I got the sword today. I think this is really cool because if you look over here at this painting that Melissa did this morning, take a look at this. She had no idea what I was preaching about today or what I was going to use. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit doesn't orchestrate all of this. Amen? Now, this can mean a lot of things to you, but I see that big old sword right there. And a lot of things, you see the flag and you see the cross and everything. So, you know, take that for what you will. I know somebody's going to snatch that painting up today. I've got to put this somewhere. I'm going to put it right here. I want you to see this. The rest of the message today. But the lord gave us a sword it's called the sword of the spirit now here's the thing you're given the sword when you make an agreement to follow jesus he gives you a sword he is the sword he is the word of god so got a sword isn't it interesting just like having a fly swatter that sits over on the shelf and we know where it's at we'll sit there and anybody know what i'm talking about we'll sit there and we'll swat at these flies get them to go away, and we won't get up and go get the fly swatter and just deal with it? Is it just me that does that? Man, I feel real lazy right now. Is it just me, or any of you do the same? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what I'm saying? And it's not until they just get annoying or one of them flies bite you that you get up off your lazy butt and go get that fly swatter. And I'm saying you, because I know I do it all the time. And here we are, thought after thought after thought after thought from the enemy and we're just swatting at them swatting at them swatting at them Men, i'm going to go back to you. you why am i doing this because do you know the, the statistic says that 90 percent of men in the church deal with some form of pornography issue and you'll look at a picture and, and you go okay that's or you'll see something and you'll have a thought i'm not saying you have a raging por- pornography issue. I'm saying, listen, the enemy is going to come at you. He's going to come at you. And he's going he's to put things in front of your face. If he knows that there's an opening there, if he knows that you don't mean business, then he's going to come at you men and he's going to put these pictures there, pictures there. My goodness, you can't look at anything anymore. You can't watch TV. You can't get on social media. You can't get on YouTube. You can't get on nothing. You can't even watch a football game like we're going to do this afternoon when the Lions beat the Chargers. Woo! But you can't even watch that without, you're gonna see something, men. Women too, I'm dealing with the men right now. You're gonna see something, and it's good to turn away. Change the channel, mute it, do whatever you need to do. Get up, okay, you're gonna watch the game, but you don't have to watch those commercials. It's good to turn away, but if you're just turning away, it's like you're swatting at the flies, and there comes a point when you need to pull out the sword. Don't wait for the second or third or fourth time for that thought to come. Pull the sword out right away. Deal with the enemy right away. He's not just some nagging little pest. These thoughts aren't just going to go away. He's going to keep bringing them over and over and over again until you deal with it. Okay, so that's point number two. Point number two is speak the word out loud. I've said this to you for years. I know you've heard this point, but I'm going to quickly go through this. Speak the word out loud. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. The tongue can bring life, can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Look at somebody next to you and say words are powerful. Words are powerful. They are. But it's important to speak them out loud. You have to speak them out loud. Look at this for a moment. This scripture says, reap the consequences. Who reaps the consequences? Who reaps the consequences? Say it out loud. We do. Those who love to talk. Those who love to talk reaps the consequences. Who loves to talk? Anybody love to talk? Okay, just a few of you. Some more of you need to love to talk. Well, I'm quiet. At the house. I don't care. Those who love to talk reap the consequences. Now, some of you are going to say, yeah, but it says consequences. And consequences are always bad, right? No? There can be good consequences? Well, there can, yes. If you actually look at the scripture in a different version... Okay, look at, uh, that was the New Living Translation. Look at the English Standard Version. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Same scripture, okay? Those who love it will eat its fruits. Because when you see those who love to talk, those who love to speak, you're like, oh, wow, I guess I should be silent. No, you shouldn't. You should talk. It's just what you say that matters. What you say matters, okay? So fruit can be good or bad, right? You can have good fruit or bad fruit. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33. It says this, watch. A tree is identified by its, say it, fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Now why did, he all, why did it go there? Why did it go there? He says, a tree will be good or bad, okay? Right? If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If it's bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Well, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees right now. And so he says, you brood of snakes. How could evil men like you, watch, speak what is good and right? He's talking about a tree, he's talking about its fruit, and then all of a sudden he says, how could you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. This right here shows us, proves to us, when Jesus is talking about a tree and its fruit, the tree is us and the fruit are the words. Okay? Look at somebody and say, I'm a tree. Say it again. I'm a tree. And my words are fruit. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny, huh? some of you are like um I don't know what kind of fruit I'm I'm speaking right now is it good or bad is it good or bad so listen two points here one you have to capture the thoughts you have to capture every thought every thought if you capture a thought and it's from the Lord you capture that thought and you sit it down and you interrogate it It means you questions question the thought you're going to realize if you know the word of God that's from the Lord Hello? You're gonna go, oh, that's from the Lord. All right, Lord, I'll be obedient to your to your word, to what you're you're instructing me to do. But you capture a thought and you sit it down. Man, I wish I had Dave up here right now. Dave, if I had you up here right now, I'd sit you down like that thought from the enemy and rough you up. The only reason I say that is because I could do it to him here in front of you and he couldn't fight back. He's a big man, he will take you down. So I would interrogate, you interrogate that thought, you rough up that thought, you know, if it comes from the enemy, you interrogate it, you discover where it comes from, and then you deal with it. So that thought, you sit it down, you capture it, you sit it down, you interrogate it, and you're like, this is from the enemy. Some of you, some, come on y'all, some of you, you know, you don't even have to interrogate the thought, right Paul? There are some thoughts that come that you know, that's from the enemy, you don't even have to sit it, don't even sit that thought down in the chair. Don't put the light on it. Don't do the whole good cop, bad cop with it. Don't even do it. That thought you know is from the enemy. You just, just like that. See how quick that was? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Huh? It's pretty good. This is a heavy sword. It's a Braveheart sword. You just take care of that thought right away. You know how you do it? Open up your mouth. Speak the word of God. Open up your mouth and speak the word of God. Every word you speak will be accounted for. You will have to give an account for every word. Matthew 21, 18 and 19 says this. In the morning... As Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed a tree, a fig tree beside the road. And he went over to see if there was any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered up. Why did Jesus do this? Why? Well, there's several lessons we could learn from this tree, but at least three really good ones. But there's one that I want you to see today, and that's, the, that's this. There's great power in our words. But did you ever think of this? Did you ever think that that tree was supposed to have fruit? Good fruit, Bad fruit, something. It was supposed to have fruit. When a fig tree has leaves, it means there's supposed to be fruit on the tree. But it had no fruit, none. Not good, not bad. There was nothing. Could it be that Jesus was saying to us, you have the power of life in your tongue. You cannot be silent. You can't be silent. If fruit equals words and words equal fruit then you can't be silent speak life you have the power he went to this tree to look for some fruit he didn't find good fruit he didn't find bad fruit he found no fruit at all so he said may you never bear fruit again and the tree immediately withered i've said this to you before why did the tree wither up and die jesus didn't say wither and die he didn't say that to the tree Look it up. He said, may you never bear fruit again. The reason the tree withered up and died is because its purpose was taken away. And your purpose and my purpose is to speak life. Open up your mouth and speak. Church, open up your mouth and speak. I said I can't hear you. Speak up. Speak life. Speak life. I'm going to tell you this. The enemy is counting on our silence. He's counting on it. He's been working a long time to shut the church up. Revelation 3.15, Jesus said, you're either hot, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. I wish you had, this is what he was saying, I wish you had good fruit or bad fruit. You're neither hot nor cold. You don't have good fruit, you don't have bad fruit. I wish you had one or the other. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he Why would he say that? I wish you were hot or cold. This is why. Because there's, there's millions and millions of people today sitting in church, Chairs and pews and whatever all over the world right now this morning, at this moment there are people sitting all over the United States in churches that have no fruit at all. They're not hot and they're not cold. There's no fruit. They don't speak at all. They try their best not to speak bad things but they don't speak life. Thoughts are buzzing around their heads all the time. The enemy is is erecting citadels of argumentation all the time, and they just sit there and allow him to do this in their lives. And it's time for us, the church of Jesus Christ, to stand up and speak life. We have to speak up. Think about this, Jesus was looking for breakfast that morning, he was looking for something to nourish his body, and that tree had signs of nourishment, but when he got to the tree, he found no nourishment. I would ask you today, do you have signs of nourishing fruit, but when people approach you, none is found? Jesus walked up to that tree because it had signs. Remember, when a fig tree has leaves, it's supposed to have fruit. That's one of the signs that it's, there's fruit there. So he walked up to it. Don't you think the Son of God would know that? And he walked up to it looking for fruit, and there was none there. I wonder how many Christians today are sitting there saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Leaves are just bristling in the wind. But when people come looking for fruit, there's none to be found. They're looking for nourishment. When people, when we're around people, we should be giving off nourishing fruit all the time. Do you know what that fruit is? Your words. Your words. Some of us only speak those good words, those kind words, those nourishing words when we see something good in somebody. But they wrong us one time they let us down or they make a mistake and we crucify them with our words you say well I don't do that to their face it doesn't matter whether you do it to their face or behind their back if you're speaking those words bad fruit life speak life you cannot stand silently on the sidelines you're in this thing Look at somebody and say, You're in this. You're in this. Whether you want to be or not, you're in it. You chose to be in it. On this side, right? You chose the cross. And when you chose to give your life to Jesus, you chose the sword. Amen? You chose the sword. You said, Give me my sword, Jesus. I'm ready. To go to battle with you. So let me show you something. We're gonna close this out. If you choose good fruit, how many today you're gonna say, I'm choosing good fruit? Every time I'm choosing good fruit. That means you're gonna pull the sword out. You're not gonna just swat at those thoughts anymore. Say it, I'm not swatting at thoughts anymore. I'm, I'm doing business. I'm getting down to business with these thoughts, right? No more crappy fly swatters. I'm pulling out the sword, and I'm going to do business the first time. The first time. Doesn't matter how long this has been going on in your life. Open your mouth and speak the word of God. And I suggest you start with this. I suggest you start with the enemy. You can't have me any longer. You can't have my mind any longer. This is not a resting place for you and your thoughts. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. I am a son or I am a daughter of the most high God. And my mind belongs to him. So I'm taking it back. And then start, start speaking the word of God. Men, I want you to learn something. I'm, I'm gonna move on to this, what I'm about to show you, but, and close this up, but I want you to learn something. Men, say this. In fact, men, men, stand up right now. If you're married, especially, if you're married. But even if you're not, maybe you're going to get married. Stand up. You think you're going to get married at some point. You want to get married. All right, men. Raise your right hand. (laughs) Yeah, this represents your sword right now. Say this, men. Say, I love my wife. Say it again. I love my wife. And I will remain faithful to her in marriage. Say it again. Raise your hand. I love my wife, and I will remain faithful to her in marriage. Do you know what you just quoted? You quoted a scripture from the Word of God just now. You just opened up your mouth, you just took the sword out of its sheath and swung it. Men, keep standing. Men, the enemy is coming for your marriage. You may say, well, you may be standing here going, man, I don't have any marital problems. My marriage is great. That's great. I'm so glad that you're on the mountaintop. Let's stay there. Because he's coming for your marriage, he's coming after it. And all those little nagging thoughts that you think are just little flies flying around your head, they're not. That's the enemy trying to to erect the citadel of argumentation. You think people that get married, get married going into that? You think when they're saying their vows, they're going, while they're saying their vows, under their breath, they're going, this isn't going to last. Can't wait to divorce her in 10 years. Nobody does that. Did any of you men do that when you're standing up there? No, you're looking at her like, she's amazing. I can't believe she picked me, like a drooling idiot. No, what happened was the enemy started thought upon thought upon thought, temptation upon temptation upon temptation until he had this fortress built. Before you know it, I don't love her. Why did I even marry her? She's no fun to be around. She's not excited. She doesn't take care of herself. Instead, when you pull out the sword of the Spirit, every time those thoughts come around and you beat that thought down, you interrogate it, and then you stab it through the heart and kill it and destroy it, I'm going to tell you something, men. The enemy is going, I don't want to mess with Michael Ritzloff anymore. That man does business. It's just like I said earlier. That fly sees you pull that fly swatter out. Uh Uh-oh, he got up. He got up. He's not just swatting at it anymore. He means business. And before you know it, there may be a hundred flies in your mind, but before you know it, they're all dead because you pulled out the sword and spirit. And the enemy has no place to land. And I'm not saying he'll stop messing with you, but I'm saying you can be victorious in these areas of your life. you got to speak it out loud, though. You can't just think it. you got to open up your mouth and speak the word of God out loud.